First Timothy chapter 3, continuing on from where we left off this morning. We've finished up chapter 2. We're entering into chapter 3 where Paul has dealt with in chapter 1 the problems with the church. In chapter 2, individually the problems with men and women. And now he is going to address what is truly and rightfully and biblically an overseer of the church. So we'll just read together chapter 3 verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity. Keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his household. How will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up with conceit. And fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover he must be well thought of by outsiders. So that he may not fall into disgrace. Into a snare. Of the devil. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can gather around your word this evening. We ask now, Father, that we spend the remainder of this time, Lord, understanding the depths of this passage, better understanding what it is to be an overseer, an elder, a pastor, Father. These words that are interchangeable, O Lord. We ask, Father, for your guidance. We ask, O Lord, that we hold this to be the merit and the level for which all elders and pastors and overseers are to be held accountable to, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction that we have here before us this evening. And we pray, O Lord, that we do the fullness and all of it, Lord, to your justice. May you help us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to unpack this evening more as an introduction to next Sunday morning, chapter 3, verse 1. And hopefully this evening this, this will set the stage for where we're going to be going over the next number of weeks as we unpack these qualifications for elders and deacons. So really what I want to look at now is the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Now immediately we come to a saying that is quite familiar to us already uh, even though we've only got to chapter 3 of 1st Timothy is this word trustworthy whenever we see this statement especially from Paul we understand that something massive is about to be displayed doctrinal huge weighty major issues are about to be discussed we know this even if you just turn back a page to chapter 1 whenever we were first introduced to this saying Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. All of us know that that to be the foundational stone, the gospel truth for which he says it is trustworthy, it is sure, it is steadfast. What is that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners? And so too we are introduced here to the trustworthiness of anyone who aspires the office of overseer. 
We see this, this terminology used again in chapter 4, verse 9, where he says, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Saviour of all people, especially of those who believe. Again, foundational truth. Our hope is set upon what is to come. Our hope is set upon the living God. Paul uses this same terminology in in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. The saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. Again, he attaches the statement to major, weighty, huge, biblical truths. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we, we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. So again, we see this over and over and over again. And we'll just look at one of the last times that we see it in the pastoral epistles is in the book of Titus, chapter 3. We'll read from verse 5. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy. What saying? What he's just said. And I want you to insist on all on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are excellent and profitable for people. Over and over again, Paul uses this. This is a trustworthy. This is, this is the truth. This is massive doctrine about to be displayed. So when we come to this opening uh, statement by Paul in chapter 3, we have to take it for its weight. The saying is trustworthy. What is trustworthy? If anyone aspires to the office of overseer. Well, what does aspire mean? In fact, before we get to aspire, let's just look at if anyone. If anyone. Now, for anyone who's reading out the King James, you're going to have if any man. And the more true meaning here should be if, if, any, if any man aspires. But I'm happy to live in anyone. Because we've just come through Paul's amazing expositation of why men are to have certain roles and why women are to have the certain roles. And at the end of that, he comes now to eldership. And he's going to press in even further here as to how it is and only can be men. So he says, anyone, any man. And the reason why we know that this anyone is exclusive to men is you can circle the amount of times that he points to who the anyones are. So he says, in, uh, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Towards the end of verse 2, the husband of one wife. Verse 4. He must manage his own household well. With all dignity keeping his children submissive. And again towards the end of verse 5. He care for God's church. He must not be a recent convert. Or he may become puffed up. And again verse 7. Moreover he must be well thought about etc. So that 
he, men have fallen to disgrace. Over and over and over again, we have this pointing continually to the fact that only a man, exclusivity here to a man to be the leader, overseer, shepherd, pastor, whatever word you want to use, bishop of the church, can and only can be a man. So he's give the evidence of it from the creation that we've looked at over the past number of weeks, and now he comes to point to this fact. How this is missed in the church today, I do not know. How we've got to the stage where there is women overseers, women pastors, women elders, whenever it's so clear-cut, so defined, so easily to see that this is not contextual, this is not simply just for the church, otherwise Paul would not have gone to the creation. He goes all the way back to that point as we've looked at. Specific roles for men, specific roles for women. This morning we looked at this massive, huge, weighty, lifted up calling upon all women to manage their households and raise up godly children. And now he's going to press in to what is the man's role. So we understand if anyone being exclusive, not to anyone as a male and female, but any man, aspires the office of overseer, he desires a little task. Well, what does aspire mean? Aspire is something that is from the external. Aspire is something that you desire and that you want. But it's not an inward desire. It's an outward desire. It's a, it's a longing for. It's a, it's a hope for. It's an ambition that someone can have. And the best way I feel to describe what this aspiring is to be is to understand from the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel 22. Turn with me there, please. If anyone has this desire upon them, this is the sort of mindset that they should have and understand. Desiring to be a pastor, elder, overseer, shepherd. Ezekiel 22 verse 17. And the word of God, the word of our Lord came to me. Son of man, the house of Israel has become dross to me. All of them are bronze and tin and iron and lead in the furnace they are dross of silver therefore thus says the Lord God because you have all become dross therefore behold I will gather you into the midst of Jerusalem as one gathers silver and bronze and iron and lead and tin into a furnace to blow the fire on it in order to melt it so I will gather you in my anger and my wrath I will put you in and melt you. I will gather you and blow on you with the fire of my wrath. And you shall be melted in the midst of it. As silver is melted into the furnace, so you shall be melted into the midst of it. And you shall know that I am the Lord. And I have poured out my wrath upon you. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, say to her, You are a land that is not cleansed. Or rained upon in the day of indignation. The conspiracy of her prophets in her midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. They have taken treasure and precious things. They have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have, have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. 
They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. Neither have they taught the difference between unclean and clean. And they have disregarded my Sabbaths. This her, if you haven't gathered, is the church, is his people. They've disregarded my Sabbaths so that I am profaned among them. Her princes in her midst are like wolves, tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, Thus says the Lord God, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. They have oppressed the poor and needy and have exhorted them the sojourner without justice. Describing the state of God's people, quite similar to how we see even the church today and most certainly how we could describe the church in Ephesus that Timothy has been plunged into. And here is what the Lord is looking for. This is the depiction now of what God will say is a true elder, a true pastor, a true overseer. And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. If a man desires to be and hold the office uh, of overseer and elder, this is what he has to do. He has to stand in the breach between the wrath of God and the people of God, between the truth of God's word, between the truth of the interpretation of what is prophecy, biblical prophecy, for understanding that there is those out there who are false princes, who are false kings, who are false elders and pastors, who do nothing more than savagely rip apart the church with lies leading them into the wrath of God. And that furnace mentality speaks of what is to come. The furnace of hell, in which all will be thrown into. So the Lord God seeks after one man. The Lord God seeks after a man who is amongst them, who shall build up the wall. What wall? The walls of the word, so to speak. The walls of Jerusalem. The protection around the people. The one who desires to protect the flock, to shepherd the flock, to guard the flock. And not only that, who is willing to stand before the Lord God and give an account of the flock. This is the heart that God searches for. This is the heart that God stirs and presses into and pushes someone who is willing to stand out. Someone who is not one to be led by the church for their wants and desires, but led by God for his wants and his desires to build and protect and to guard the sheep. Back to First Timothy. So this is the aspiration that he talks of. If anyone aspires the office, then this is the aspiring that they should have. They aspire to be one who will stand in the void, stand in the gap, stand for the people, on behalf of the people, and instruct the people for God. It's trustworthy. It's huge. It's weighty. 
any man, anyone who aspires the office of overseer. Now that word overseer is, as I said, interchangeable. Elder, pastor, overseer, shepherd, bishop. They're all of the same cut. They're all completely interchangeable. There is no difference between a pastor and an elder apart from he is an elder who is the teaching elder. Now if you want to be an overseer, what do we understand scripturally what that means? Well we can see that depicted in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders. Who are the leaders? Elders, overseers, shepherds, bishops. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account. Any man who desires the position of a leader. Who desires the position of an overseer. Has to understand one very important point. They have to give an account of the flock. This is why church membership is so important. Whom is it that we as the eldership have to give an account for? Why is it that we will press into God's word. And search God's word. Even if it is like this morning. Difficult or hard. Because we have to give an account of how we shepherd the flock. Why are those in the congregation to submit to leadership? Because they're watching over your souls and because they will give an account to God. And it says, and let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage. James continues this trend. If you turn the page to James chapter 2, sorry, James chapter 3. Because of this truth and for many others that we could go into now, we don't have the time to, if you desire to be an elder, you must be careful. As he says in chapter 3 verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's a haunting verse for any elder. We know the gospel, faith alone through Christ alone. The imputation of Christ's righteousness given to us. But how does that work whenever we stand before the throne of God? To that text we understand that those who are in eldership will be judged more harshly. Judged more strictly. That they will be in a different line so to speak than the laity. That they are the ones who stood in the gap before God. They were the gatekeepers of his word. They were the people to protect the word of God. To protect true authentic worship to protect the sanctity of the church to protect Christ's sacrifice upon the cross and the blood that he shed for the church therefore be careful before you desire the office of overseer for you shall and will be judged with more strictness if that does not put the fear of God into any man who desires to take in the office nothing else will Back to First Timothy. So we understand that he is laying up this weedy introduction, this weedy opening gambit by this trustworthy statement. It's major, it's heavy, it's massive. 
If you desire and if you have the aspirations to have this office of overseer, then it is a noble task. It is a good work. What does that mean? It's a task that isn't ending. The true meaning of that task is a work that never ends. This is why we even see, if you just look over the page in chapter 5, verse 17. It says, let the elders who rule. It is a church governance that comes from elders. Those who are set apart. Those who have been given a desire from God to hold the position. Those who have the attributes that we will be going into next Sunday. God willing to hold the position. Therefore it is the elders who rule the church who oversee the church. But the elders who rule well be considered worthy of a double honour. Especially those who labour. Who work. Who toil in preaching and teaching. For some reason in the modern church the office of elder or even the office of pastor is seen to be something that isn't even work. It's not a real job. According to this, he who labours, he who works, he who takes up the task as overseer, he who works nightly, daily, continually, there is no logging off at five o'clock. You're constantly on call. You're constantly stirred. You're constantly being moved by the Holy Spirit as if there is even one in the flock who is straying for you will give an account of the blood of their hands. Therefore, do not aspire to be an overseer unless you understand it is a continual task and it is very much a labor. We see this also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 12. We ask you brothers to respect those who labour among you. Who work. Who toil. Who take up the task. Who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love of their work. So when we come to this reading and this introductory statement, we are given many things already. This saying is trustworthy. This saying is, is weighty. That anyone, any man who aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble task because he must work continually. He must be held at a higher account. He must give an account of every single thing that happens within the church and the people who are under his stewardship. We're told in other passages that whenever even the sick are in need of prayer, it is the elders who are to lay hands on. Whenever others are going to be ordained into the ministry, it is the elders who have to give their approval and lay their hands on. 
Therefore, as we will unpack this over the next couple of weeks, we start here. If there is men within this congregation who believe that it is the Holy Spirit that is giving you this desire, that it is the Holy Spirit giving you this aspiration, you first and very quickly have to question. For there is many today who are in positions of pastors that should not be. It is for monetary gain. It is for lofty position. It is something that they just do. It is why they are so easily and so shamefully candid about Scripture. It is the reason why there are so many churches in disarray. It is the reason why we even have in strong traditional denominations a poll this year on same-sex marriage. Where are the biblical overseers who have the fear of God and oversight, who want to stand in the gap between culture and scripture, who want to stand in the gap between what is relevant and not relevant, who wants to stand upon the only authority that they possess, not their knowledge, not their tradition, not the custom of the church, but the word of God itself that has been given and entrusted to them. Too many men are in Bible college studying to be an overseer and a pastor and they are not qualified because they're not willing to be set apart. They don't want to be the person who's not the friend. They don't want to be the person who has to go with hard truths and discipline. They don't want to be the one that has to be the overseer and the shepherd. They just simply want to be somebody in high esteem in society. So they play as they would say, fast and loose with the text, with no fear of the Lord. Therefore, it is trustworthy anyone who spares the true office of the biblical man who wants to step outside no matter what the cost, no matter if the congregation is small or large, and simply say, I've been called, set apart, and given an innate desire within my soul that yearns for nothing else apart from being an expositor of God's word. There's nothing else that I as a pastor want to do. Whether this church has many or little. I would hope and pray that as an elder you would find me preaching and teaching the word wherever I had opportunity. Desiring to take in sheep that are lost in culture and gospel contextualization. And blinded to what the true Bible defines as even we looked at this past couple of weeks. Biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. To stand upon no authority apart from the word of God. To say it will not change. It does not change. I simply do not have to be relevant whatsoever. I have to preach the word of God that has been given to me. Because in Ezekiel's time God could not find one man that would do that. And the entire people of God were given over to false prophets. False teachers. And false preachers. And here Timothy is exactly where you find yourself. Years after I left the church. And still biblical elders. Has become corrupted from the inside out. How do we stop the corruption of God's word. The corruption of God's church. The church that was bought at a price. It starts here. It is a noble task for any man. Who desires to be an elder. Pastor preacher, overseer and shepherd 
Therefore, we are to pray for them and hold them in high esteem. And also for us as a church, which we will be looking at as we go through these, this depiction of what a true qualification is for an overseer, understand that when an overseer comes to you or when he preaches truth from the word of God, he is simply a messenger of God. This is why right throughout the Old Testament you will see men of God, people who were not at that time called a pastor, but they were an overseer, they were called a prophet. They went to the people of God to correct them. To speak God's truth. And they stoned them. They tore them in two. They burned them. And did many other things. And right throughout history. This is what we see. And this is what we're going to see in our day. As I said to some people this morning. Already the government are talking of how. To simply say to pray for someone who's a hate crime. I firmly believe in my generation. There will come a stage to preach God's word. To preach truth to be put in prison for and that will sort out those who are called, those who do not care what it, what it will cost, but they care more for the flock than even their own lives. And those are the biblical elders and pastors that the church needs today. Not those who simply want a job, simply want a pay packet, simply want to say that they are in charge of a large congregation. Honestly, it gives me fear to think of how this congregation, if it grows, that I have to continue and we have to continue as elders have oversight. To intricately know what is going on in your lives. For we will have to give an account. Did you not know that they were doing this? Why did you not correct this? Why did you elect this to continue going on within my church and my bride? Why is my bride stained? Why has she become corrupted? You were the gatekeeper. You were the person who was in charge of it. Therefore, we have to be slow to desire the position of eldership. But if God stirs in your heart of hearts this aspiration, then go after it. Amen? That's the introduction to what we'll be looking at over the next coming weeks. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you positioned and called men who desired to be the guardians of the flock, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that although we are flawed and all elders are flawed, your word is not. Therefore, we do not preach on our own authority. We do not preach even upon our own lifestyles. We preach your word. We preach your truth. And we hold to the only authority that we have, your word. Father, help the elders and overseers and pastors of every church in Armagh to hold closely to this text. To question whether or not they are called, set apart, anointed and gifted to be judged at a higher measure. To have to give an account for every single person that claims that they're part of that body. I pray, Father, for a real fear and conviction upon every man to continually self-examine themselves, to ask, are they truly, as we're going to see, managing their homes well? I pray for the congregation to continually lift up every pastor and elder in prayer so that they may not be led into stumble or corruption. 
but they will stand in the gap. That they will stand for those who are weak in their faith. That they will faithfully disciple and shepherd and teach your word without compromise or hindrance or without fear. For the saying is truly trustworthy, O Lord. He who aspires the office of, of overseer desires a truly worthy task. Father, we ask that you stir in the men's hearts in this church and ask themselves, are they called by you, O Father, to be an elder or a deacon, Lord, as we will look at, but to do it fearfully and faithfully. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand close in worship.